Former Vice President Dick Cheney just said in our nation's 246-year history, there's never been an individual who's a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. It is my honor to use evidence, truth, and ridicule to expose what a prevaricating liar Dick Cheney is. Also, hear what Republican senators asked FBI Director Christopher Wray during his testimony before the Senate Judiciary Committee. A few of them actually tried to hold him accountable. It's all coming up on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 210 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Saturday, August 6th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners that most Republican politicians refuse to mention. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right. Former Vice President Dick Cheney recently released a campaign video urging Wyoming voters to vote for his daughter Liz in the upcoming Wyoming Republican congressional primary. Unfortunately for Dick and Liz, he told some bald-faced lies about former President Trump along the way. So, here's the first one. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. All right, now, let's think about that. Uh, not Osama bin Laden, who masterminded the 9-11 attacks on our country? Nope. Dick Cheney says Donald Trump, biggest threat to our republic. Not Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who we executed in 1953 for giving our nuclear secrets to Russia? Nope. Dick Cheney says it's Donald Trump. Not Japanese Emperor Hirohito, who endorsed the plan for his military to attack our base at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. Nope. Dick Cheney says Donald Trump is the biggest threat to our republic in our nation's history. Not Bill Clinton, who gave the Chinese communists critical missile technology so they could launch missiles effectively, turned down several opportunities to take out bin Laden, and gave the North Koreans billions to develop their own nuclear weapons. Not even Barack Hussein Obama, who seemed intent on helping the religious fanatic mullahs of Iran develop nukes they could someday use against us. No, 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 no. 
None of these people were a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump, as far as Dick Cheney is concerned. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. Okay. Not Osama bin Laden, not the Rosenbergs, not Hirohito, not Bill Clinton, not Barack Obama. But Cheney says it's this guy, Trump. Now, why might that be? Could it be the fact that until Fauci and Burks talked him into 15 days to slow the spread, Trump's economic policies had ushered in a time of record growth in our economy? Was that a threat to our republic, Dick? How about the fact Trump appointed three justices to the Supreme Court who eventually overturned Roe versus Wade, the worst Supreme Court decision in American history? Was that the greatest threat to our republic in the history of our country, Dick? How about Trump's magnificent success in dramatically slowing down illegal immigration? Was that a grave threat to our republic, Dick? No. No? None of that? Oh, I know. Trump disagreed with you and your daughter on policy and didn't give either of you the respect you felt entitled to. Yeah, that must be it. Tell you what, Dick. You're a real piece of work. Let's count how many times you break the Ninth Commandment in less than 60 seconds. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. Okay, that's lie number one. And what a whopper it is. Okay, how about how about this one? He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. Wow. Five lies in less than seven seconds. First of all, Trump did not try to steal the 2020 election. It was stolen from him. So that's Cheney lie number two. He didn't lie. He told the truth. So that's Cheney lie number three. He certainly never encouraged his supporters to be violent. He encouraged them to peacefully protest on January 6th. And Dick Cheney knows all of this. So that's Cheney lie number four. And last but not least, Trump had already signed the necessary documents for peaceful transfer of power to the Biden regime. So that's Cheney line number five. And of course, the voters did not reject him. So that's Cheney line number six. Five lies in seven seconds. Six all told. And we're less than 15 seconds into this? Wow, Dick. You would have made Joseph Goebbels proud. He's a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. Two more lies. Love him or hate him. But a coward would not have taken on the deep state, and that is exactly what Donald Trump did. And again, Dick, you're lying to your supporters. So now we're up to eight Cheney lies now in just 17 seconds. He lost his election, and he lost big. You pathetic liar. Trump filled stadiums. And Biden had a hard time getting 100 people to show up at a lot of his events. 
There were impromptu Trump parades in deep blue areas like Beverly Hills, California, and New York City. And you got the gall to claim the dementia patient, the vegetable who rarely came out of his basement, the pervert who likes to smell little girl's hair, got over 11 million more votes than Barack Obama back in 2008. The irony here is that no one ever could have imagined Dick Cheney would start impersonating Baghdad Bob. So now we're up to 10 Cheney lies because since obviously Trump didn't lose, by definition, he couldn't lose big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. You don't know it. He doesn't know it. And we all know it was stolen from him. So three more lies get us up to 13 Cheney lies. All right, question for you, my gentle listeners. There's a remarkable movie called 2,000 Mules. Perhaps you've heard of it. Perhaps you've heard of it. It was produced by Dinesh D'Souza. It proves beyond a shadow of a doubt the 2020 presidential election was stolen from Donald Trump. If you could somehow force Dick Cheney to watch 2000 Mules movie, what do you think would happen? Would he melt away like the Wicked Witch of the West and the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy accidentally threw water on her? Would his head explode like one of those guys in the science fiction movie, Scanners? Or would he just have the latest in a long line of heart attacks? We'll never know because, of course, Richard Bruce Cheney is impervious to the truth. He's blinded by his obsession about his place in history and Trump's rejection of the doctrine of the necessity of forever wars. He's obsessed with getting Trump just as much as any Democrat in Washington. I don't know if you've noticed, but Dick is taking this whole thing very, very personally. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth, doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution, when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Okay, now that's four more lies in just 11 more seconds. So now we're up to 17 Cheney lies. Let's take them one at a time, shall we? You're a liar, and your daughter is a liar. Liz Cheney is not standing up for the truth. She wouldn't know the truth if bitter on the elbow, and neither would you. Doing what's right. Honoring her oath to the Constitution. The January 6th committee is a sham. They are conducting a fishing expedition of former Trump administration officials who were long gone years before January 6, 2021. And they continue to violate the constitutional rights of American citizens in ways that will become very clear in federal appeals courts. So many in our party are too scared to do. House Republican leadership would have been happy to have appointed members to serve on the January 6th committee, just as they've always done on any committee in either House of Congress, but in an historic first, Speaker Pelosi would not allow it. 
She did not want the truth to come out about what actually happened at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, including but not limited to the police murders of Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boyland, Kevin Greeson, and Benjamin Phillips. She won't allow thousands of hours of surveillance video to even be released to the public, to even be released to the defendants. Tell you what, Dick. When you stand with the likes of Nancy Pelosi, Dementia Joe Biden, and Ray Epps, instead of the rest of us, that tells us all we need to know about you. And it's not good, Dick. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from the fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. Dick, 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 Dick. You betray yourself, Richard. This is not about a search for the truth. If it were, the committee would allow cross-examinations. No, 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 no. Dick, Richard, you just admitted it. You just admitted what this is all about. This is a personal vendetta to get Donald Trump. What was it that broke you, Richard? Was it the peace flowing from the Abraham Accords? Was that it, Dick? And she will succeed. Well, she might, but I wouldn't bet on it. You know, Dick, the Proverbs are pretty clear. Man makes his plans, but the answers are in God's hands. I wouldn't count on it, Dick. I wouldn't count on it. By the way, I I did a little research on you, Dick, and it says that you're a Methodist. Do, Do they ever preach about the Proverbs in your church, Dick? They're They're illuminating. You might really learn something. Man makes his plans, but the answers are in God's hands. You're so sure, Dick. You're so sure. But a lot of people have been really sure, Dick. A lot of people. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will, too. Dick, 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 Dick. Your daughter has been kicked out of the Republican Party of Wyoming. Her opponent is drawing massive crowds in the least populated state in the country. So let me ask you, Dick. How many likely Republican primary voters in Wyoming do you think actually agree with you about Donald Trump? Is there any reason we should think this campaign commercial for your daughter isn't evidence of your desperation? You realize she doesn't have a chance to win her upcoming primary, right? I mean, unless they steal it. And I don't think they're going to be able to steal a Republican primary in Wyoming. Arkansas, maybe, but not Wyoming. 17 lies. 
In less than 60 seconds, you broke the ninth commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 17 times in less than a minute. So, are you are you proud of yourself, Richard? Hmm? I'm Liz Cheney, and I approve this message. Well, of course you do, hon. Of course you do. The only thing left to say about this this sordid affair is bless your heart. Bless your heart, Liz. Okay, coming up, FBI Director Christopher Wray appeared in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee under oath on Thursday, August 4th. And I have listened to the questions and answered part for all the Republican senators, and I will bring you the most compelling bits of it. That is coming up next. But first, let me just tell you how much we really appreciate our advertisers. They are our friends, and we can't thank them enough for allowing us to do what we do here, the Doc Washburn Show, five times a week. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. 
and he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Hey, thank you again to our friends and advertisers, Jonathan Presswood over at Edward Jones and Mitch Ward at Red River River Your Way. We really appreciate you guys for allowing us to do what we do five times a week. Can't thank you enough. And, of course, if you need financial advice, you need to contact Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. If you're in the market for a new or used car, truck, van, or SUV, you need to contact my buddies at Red River and tell them. Tell them. The Doc Washburn sent you. All right. Um, on Thursday, August 4th, FBI Director Christopher Ray appeared in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee under oath. As a public service to you, I have listened to all the questions the Republicans on the the committee posed to him and his answers, and I've put the compelling parts together for you. So, let's start. Let's start with the senior senator from the state of Texas, the Lone Star State, John Cornyn. When Director Mayorkas was asked about the border, um, he made the, frankly, from my standpoint, implausible statement that the border was secure. Uh, from your from your vantage point, in your opinion, is the border secure? All right. Now, that's a pretty cool question from a guy like Cornyn. Because, you know, a lot of people are going to say, eh, Cornyn, he's a rhino, you know, he doesn't care, he doesn't stand for what we stand for. But here he is saying, hey, Biden's Secretary of Homeland Security says the border is secure. I think that's implausible. You're the FBI director. What do you think? Is the border secure? So, Christopher Ray at this point decides, well, I better tap dance a little bit. Well, boy, I... I um... <laughs> I guess I'm hesitant to substitute my judgment for the Secretary of Homeland Security, but I will tell you that I have uh, spent a lot of time with our field offices down that have border responsibility. Uh, I have been to uh, uh, ports of entry, uh, including not that long ago, uh, with CBP officers walking me through it uh, so I could really see firsthand what they're up against. And all I can say is... um, Boy, they got a, a heck of a challenge, um, and I admire their grit and their determination uh, to get the job done because it's it's a daunting one. You know, call me crazy, but that sounds like an FBI director who's refusing to answer a direct question. So, um, 
Well, John Cornyn does a little follow-up here out of Texas. Director Ray, I've always thought of you as a straight shooter, but you won't answer that question. Ooh, he's, he's not going to let him off the hook. I've always thought of you as a straight shooter, but you won't answer that question? Ray Tapp dances again. Well, look, I, I think uh, the border presents significant uh, security issues. There's a wide array of criminal threats that we encounter uh, down at the border. Uh, we, you mentioned a little bit in some of your questions, the transnational criminal organizations that use diverse and complex methods to traffic drugs, uh, that then cascades over into prison and street gangs, uh, who distribute it. Uh, we are trying to tackle it, uh, on our end in support of our partners, both DHS, but also state and local partners, uh, not just on our side of the border through the task forces that I mentioned, but also on the other side of the border, we have uh, a, what I think our biggest legat office is in Mexico City. Uh, we have uh, transnational uh, uh, anti-gang task forces uh, that we work with the, our local partners in in the Northern Triangle. Um, but it's it, you know it is a major major challenge, uh, and it is represents significant uh, concerns for us. You know, this reminds me of. On January 6, 2021, the company that I worked for at the time, Cumulus Media, announced that if any on-air personalities used the terms stolen election or stop the steal, we would be fired on the spot. And so at that point, the corporate vice president of programming had a conference call with the talk radio program directors who were like, yeah, thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks for putting us in an untenable position because clearly, obviously, of course, a lot of our listeners believe the election was stolen. So what are you supposed to do when somebody calls up and wants to talk about that? Well, you know, you just do the dance you can say we've all seen the videos of the ballots being taken out from under the uh, tables there at the State Farm Center in uh, Atlanta. You can say there are a number of irregularities that need to be looked into. You just can't say stolen election or stop the steal. That's what Christopher Ray's second answer reminded me of. He's just not going to say the border's open. He's going to say, well, you know, there's this and there's that, and we're trying to do this over here and that. But he's not going to say the border is open. He's not going to publicly disagree with Biden's Secretary of Homeland Security. I mean, that's that's what it takes me back to. Okay, so Republican senator out of uh, Utah. No, 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 not Romney, the good one, Mike Lee. He's got a question for FBI Director Christopher Ray about the FISA court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act court. And it's a good one. I want to talk for a moment about the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act and specifically Section 702 of FISA. 
As you know, uh, Director Ray, Section 702 authorizes the collection of electronic communications, not just the metadata, but the content of the communications themselves, um, including uh, communications of non-U.S. persons outside the United States. But as you know, this inevitably leads to the incidental collection of communications that involve uh, or include U.S. persons, including U.S. citizens. The the 2018 reauthorization of Section 702 um, required the FBI to obtain an order, an order um, that's described in Section 702 F2. Uh, um, they have to go to the to, to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, uh, and uh, they have to get an order authorizing them to query the database, uh, the, the communications, the substance of communications involving U.S. persons. If the query is part of a criminal investigation, uh, subject to certain exceptions, and, and and not related to national security. There is a uh, statistical transparency report that's required by the USA Freedom Act that we passed in 2015. Your, um, your, your statistical transparency report that um, was issued in uh, uh, for the year 2021, just a few months ago, estimates that the FBI did not obtain a single uh, order under Section 702 F2 from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court in 2021. Um, but the FBI, notwithstanding the fact that they didn't get a single one of these orders under F2, they identified at least four instances in which uh, the electronic communications of U.S. persons were unlawfully searched without the required order from the court. Can you tell me how you found those four instances and how you can be certain that there are not more than four instances in which Someone did a backdoor search of U.S. persons' communication. Sounds like Mike Lee is saying the law was broken there. You got to have this order, right, to do this search, this order from the FISA court. But you found four instances in which there was no order and they did a search anyway. So how do you know there are only four? Would it shock you? If I told you that Ray is going to say, oh, gee, oh, oh, I don't know, man. Uh, Senator, I'm as I sit here right now, I'm not sure that I recall exactly which of the various oversight mechanisms that we have uh, produced that. I know that we have everything from uh, reviews that the Justice Department's National Security Division does, uh, and I think ODNI, and then we also have internally, uh, I stood up, a, uh, an office of internal audit uh, that did not exist before uh, that is specifically focused on uh, on FISA compliance in the first instance. Uh, and there are some other mechanisms as well. So I'm not, I just as I'm sitting here right now, I just don't remember. Uh, but I'd be happy to have us follow back up with you about all that. I, I appreciate that. I would, I would appreciate that follow-up. Yeah, good luck on getting the follow-up. See, this is a guy who uh, oftentimes ignores ignores um, congressional queries. Okay, so Mike Lee has a follow-up. 
when our government is able to collect as much information as, as it is, and, and we do need these authorities in order to uh, keep ourselves apprised of communications going on outside the United States by non-U.S. persons about us and bad things they want to do to us. But when it comes to American citizens, they have a reasonable expectation of privacy. And when you have that much ability to collect that much information, record that many conversations of unsuspecting, uh, law-abiding uh, American citizens, and there really do have to be procedures in place to make sure that there's probable cause and a probable cause-based warrant in order to search those, because that really is just a backdoor search and, and a potential end run around the Fourth Amendment. Uh, so I've got other issues I want to cover, but I just um, I, I, I would appreciate follow-up from you on that, and, and I, I really do believe this helps prove. If there were four, first of all, I found it implausible, the idea that they never needed to get a 702 F2 order. Secondly, the idea that there were four and only four instances in which um, uh, this provision of FISA was violated, I find that uh, utterly implausible. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I don't believe for a minute there are only four. I mean, the FBI has been rogue for a long time, okay? It just has. And we've talked about that at length here on the Doc Washer Show podcast. I talked about it at length before I got fired from my talk radio job for refusing the facts. FBI's rogue. Okay, now, now, Mike Lee has a question about pro-abortion violence. Another issue I wanted to discuss with you relates to um, what we've seen ever since the uh, leaked draft of Justice Alito's opinion in the Dobbs case. Um, we, we've seen a pattern in which pro-abortion activists have violently targeted over 82 churches and pregnancy centers, spray painting, uh, uh, threatening messages and breaking windows and firebombing uh, in, in some instances. Uh, this is occurring in addition to those who have been encouraging protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices and otherwise threatening the, the, the type of things that can lead to violence and encouraging uh, what could become violent behavior. The pro-abortion group known as Jane's Revenge is taking credit for many of the attacks on pregnancy centers and on churches across the country. These, of course, endanger a lot of people, including volunteers and employees, people who are just coming to worship uh, or to seek health care uh, of, of one sort or another. How many domestic terrorism investigations does the FBI currently have open under the category of abortion-related violent extremism? Ah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess that Chris Ray might not have a good answer, though. I don't have the exact number, but ah, I can tell you that ah. we have opened a number of uh, domestic violent extremism investigations uh, using our Joint Terrorism Task Force. Domestic violent extremism. He's asking about pro-abortion types attacking uh, pregnancy resource centers and churches, but that's not what that's you're answering a different question. I guess you learned a lot from the last guy, Comey. That are specifically uh, focused on attacks or threats against uh, churches, pro-life organizations, uh, uh, 
Really? So when are we going to see some results? It's been going on for a while. You can see resource centers, similar types of organizations, including, for example, uh, I know off the top of my head, we have one, uh, you know, in, in Senator Grassley's home state of Iowa, in Des Moines. Uh, we have one in Senator Blackburn's uh, state of, of, of uh, Tennessee. I think I, we have one in, in Senator Tillis's state uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, he's looking for specifics. See, when the head of an agency or the FBI or whatever goes in to take questions from a congressional committee, his staff is supposed to have briefed him so he'll be ready for some of this stuff. But oddly enough, it seems that uh, Director Ray's staff has ill-served him. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, if the staff has a good uh, relationship with the folks on the committee, it seems like maybe they can even talk beforehand about some of the stuff that they're going to want to know, some of the stuff that they're going to ask about, right? Is that such a crazy idea? But Ray, over and over again, is like, yeah, gosh, I don't know, search me, man. I, I can't call it, fam. So anyway, Mike Lee, real Republican senator from Utah, has a follow-up question about this. Glad to hear that there are a number of them that are open, and I'll appreciate getting more stats from you. As you know, Congress passed a law dealing with this, the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act, codified at 18 U.S.C. 248. And it prohibits the obstruction, injury, intimidation, or interference with any person who's either seeking to, to uh, enter a clinic to obtain reproductive health services and, and also people uh, seeking to exercise their right of religious freedom at a place of religious worship. Um, if any idea how many investigations of pro-abortion activists have resulted in federal prosecutions under the Freedom of Access uh, to Clinic Entrances Act? What do you want to bet... What do you want to bet he doesn't? Let's see. Let's see. I just don't think he's going to. I don't have that number. Okay. I'd appreciate it if you could get that to me as well. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you'd appreciate if he'd get that to you. But what do you want to bet he doesn't? Okay. Another great question from Mike Lee. For FBI Director Christopher Wray. Considering the large number of, of churches and abortion centers that have been firebombed and otherwise attacked, uh, has a tag threat been created for investigations associated with those attacks? Oh, man. Yeah, there's a lot that's going on. So do you have a, you got a tag threat for this, or a threat tag. Pardon me, a threat tag. I think he said it backwards. You know, so... You got a category for this. You actively trying to do an investigation for this category, in other words. Uh, I am sure that we have threat tags related to this. I don't know what the threat tags are. I will say this. We put out um, when the when the opinion first leaked, uh, we put out a directive to all of our field offices to be looking actively for potential uh, threats of the very sort you're talking about. And I want to be crystal clear on this. 
from our perspective, I don't care what side of the issue you're on. I don't care who you're upset with or what you're upset about uh, on an abortion or anything else. You don't get to use violence or threats of violence to act on it. And we're going to go after that conduct aggressively. Uh, and I feel very strongly about that, and I've communicated that very strongly to all of our field offices and our workforce. All right. Yeah, you know, you talk a good game. You talk a good game. But I have, uh, I have a difficult time taking the director of the FBI seriously. I, I hope you'll forgive me. But there's just too much. There's just too much. Okay, again, we're very, very thankful for our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washroom Show five times a week. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines? Neck pain? Back pain? Vertigo? Acid reflux? Eczema? Problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you again to my friends, my doctors, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree, Arkansas Cervical Center, TurnMyPowerOn.com. They've been such a big help to my wife and me and so many people that we know. All right, coming up next, we've got Senator Ted Cruz reading the Riot Act the director of the FBI. It is not pretty, but it is phenomenal. That's coming up in just a moment. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Okay, today's 
tweet of the day is from somebody who goes by Savage Daughter. And here's what it says. Pedophilia is not a sexual preference. Bugs are not food. mRNA injections are not vaccines. Men are not women. The news is not real. Climate change is not a threat. And the government is not your friend. Thank you again to Red River Your Way for making our tweet of the day possible. Red River Your Way. When you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online. I mean, you can go to the dealerships if you're in Arkansas, but if not, you can buy it online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Ted Cruz was loaded for bear. He was ready for FBI Director Christopher Wray in the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on Thursday, August 4th. Here's how it started. Director Ray, I'm deeply concerned that the FBI and the Department of Justice have become thoroughly politicized. I think this is a problem that began during the Obama administration. I think it metastasized with career officials during the Trump administration, and I think it continues and is even worse today under the Biden administration. I don't believe you personally reflect that politicization, but I think you've been unwilling to root it out and unwilling to hold people accountable for the politicization, I hear regularly from FBI agents and from professionals at the Department of Justice who are dismayed that our law enforcement has been weaponized and politicized rather than remaining apolitical as it has been for the history of our country. Yesterday, it was reported that Project Veritas had obtained a copy of an FBI training material which listed various symbols and themes which, in the FBI's estimation, were indicative of, quote, militia violent extremism. Now, these symbols weren't things like the Ku Klux Klan or the Nazi Party, which naturally would be symbols of that. But instead, they included, rather astonishingly, patriotic symbols of our nation and our history. Included on this list is the Betsy Ross flag, Okay, so one of his staffers put up a couple of large-sized posters of this email. So, so everybody watching this hearing, and including FBI Director Ray, can see these symbols that the FBI is warning could be signs of terrorism. Now, that's fairly remarkable that the Betsy Ross flag and the FBI's indication is indicative of violent, of militia violent extremism, because among other people who have been publicly alongside the Betsy Ross flag, we have President Barack Obama, who was sworn in directly underneath two Betsy Ross flags. But it's not just President Obama. We also have President Biden who was sworn in under Betsy Ross flags. It's not just the Betsy Ross flag. Also on this list is the Gadsden flag as a symbol of violent extremism. Now, the state of Virginia has a license plate for the Gadsden flag, as do many other states. I think people would be astonished to find that having that license plate, the FBI indicates 
that you're a violent extremist. Also included on this is a text that I was particularly struck is the Gonzalez battle flag. Come and take it. As indicative of being a violent extremist militia. Well, I will self-report right now that every day in the Senate I wear my boots that have the Gonzalez battle flag on the back of them. Director Ray, what are y'all doing? This makes no sense. Do you, do you agree with this FBI guidance that the Betsy Ross flag and the Gadsden flag and the Gonzalez battle flag are signs of militia violent extremism? Wow. That's strong. That's strong. Chris Ray's not going to be able to do much with this. He's hardly even going to try. Well, Senator, I, I'm not familiar with the particular document you have behind you. Oh, come on. Uh, and I'm not in the practice of trying to comment on documents that I haven't. Yeah, we don't believe you. Uh, recognized, but I will tell you that when we put out intelligence products, including ones that reference symbols, which we do across a wide variety of contexts, we usually uh, make great pains, take great pains to put uh, caveats and warnings in the document to make clear that a symbol alone is not considered evidence of violent extremism, uh, and it's it doesn't sound like they did that here, does it? I think this is where Ted. I think this is where Ted inter- interrupts him because you got limited time. Well, but Director Ray, you don't include things like Antifa. You don't include things like Black Lives Matter. Instead, oh! you identify patriotic Americans oh! as suspects. And I would note there's a pattern of this. As you're aware, the National Association of School Boards asked the Attorney General to investigate parents as domestic terrorists under the Patriot Act. Now, it did so because it was upset about moms and dads coming to school boards and disagreeing with the policies of those schools. Five days after that letter, the Attorney General sent a memo to you directing the FBI to target parents for investigation. Since that time, the National Association of School Boards has apologized for the letter because it was so indefensible, but that hasn't stopped the FBI. In fact, you've created a specific threat tag uh, directed at parents. So let me ask you, how many moms and dads who have spoken up at school boards has the FBI interviewed or investigated since the memo from the Attorney General? Oh. See, I mean, Ted's trying to hold this guy accountable. And God bless him for that. But also, I mean, good luck because um, last thing in the world Christopher Ray wants to do is have the FBI is be held accountable. Last thing in the world he's there for is to be subjecting any kind of accountabilities. Here, here's the answer. Well, first off, I'll say I'm not aware of any. But second, let me address the issue. You're not aware of any? Like you the House of Representatives has written you, you and asked you, you would about let me, it. If you would let me. So please answer. Please. Uh, let me say to you and to this committee the same thing I said to every FBI field office after I read the memo, which was that the FBI is not going to be in the business of investigating speech or policing speech at school board meetings or anywhere else. 
uh, and we're not about to start now, that threat violence, threats of violence, that's a different matter altogether. And there we will work with our state local partners as we always have. So Director, you asked Ray, about, Director, you asked, Ray, Director Ray, our time is, are, do you know how many parents you have interviewed or investigated since that, that memo? I am aware that we have had a small number of assessments just less than an investigation and a few full investigations. Not hold on. Hold so how on, many? Hold, hold on. Oh, let me finish. I, I'm just. I'm asking a question. That time is. Limited. I don't know the number, but did not. Okay, well, well, but no, wait, let me finish. That are not necessarily of parents. We have individuals who have made threats against a variety of people. Sometimes school board officials. Sometimes other okay, people as director. well. You know, he's filibustering. And, you know, at this point, again, Ted Cruz has to interrupt him and, and you know, uh, get back to the issue at hand. So here we go. Director Ray, I, I will point out the House of Representatives has sent you oversight letters detailing dozens of investigations under a threat tag directed at parents, parents, moms and dads who GMED have come in because they spoke out against mass mandates or vaccine mandates or critical race theory. And suddenly the G-men show up. And this was after the attorney general claimed it wasn't happening. And so. The pattern, sadly, we've seen, you say you don't know how many there are. The follow-up will be, I'll send you a letter, and you'll send back a letter that says, I refuse to answer it. Yep. See, that's what I was saying earlier with, with Mike Lee saying, well, yeah, I'd, I'd be glad to get the, the follow-up on that. Oh, yeah, D- Director A is like, sure, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, don't count on it. Don't count on it. All right, Next. Next, and this is very important, Ted Cruz was the only senator that brought up the Michigan governor kidnapping hoax that the FBI perpetrated. Let me give another example. Recently, there was the case against individuals charged with kidnapping and murdering Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. That case ended up an absolute debacle where the four people who went to trial, two of them were acquitted, two received mistrials. None of them were convicted on even a single charge. And the basis of the defense was entrapment that the FBI, that paid enforcements for the FBI, had suggested and had incited the conduct. Let me ask you, how many FBI agents were disciplined or reprimanded after that disastrous case Oh, and the misconduct that led to every defendant being acquitted or having a mistrial on every charge. Sweet. Sweet. Ray's not going to like this. Um, this won't surprise you. Uh, Senator, I can't comment on a personal matter. I can tell you that that case, as I understand it, is now pending a, uh, a retrial, as I understand it. Not for the two guys that were acquitted, you knucklehead. You know, he's too clever for his own good. He thinks he's smooth. He thinks he's smooth. Here's Ted. Well, the special agent in charge of that case has now been sent to D.C., to the Washington, D.C. office, and now leads the investigation regarding January 6th. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, so he's... He's going to plead ignorance here. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. That doesn't sound right to me. But it is. It's true. 
Here's Ted Cruz following up. That does not sound right. The, the, the name of the individual is Stephen D'Antuno. He was, he was run out of the FBI Detroit field office. And by the way, I will point okay. out that the lead investigator, Special Agent Track, are you aware that he was apparently fired for allegedly beating his wife after coming home from a swingers party and he'd made multiple derogatory political posts about President Trump showing political bias? Are you aware of that? Man, oh, man. He's just, he's owning this guy. He's owning this guy. Here's Ray again. I am aware of, I think, the incident you're describing uh, and action that was taken about it. Uh, to clarify, on the first part of your question, uh, Mr. D'Antuano was the special agent in charge of the office, uh, the Detroit field office, and is now the assistant director in charge of the Washington field office. I thought you were asking about the agent who was responsible for the No, come on, man. How could you think that? How could you think that? Again, Cruz got to interrupt. He can't, he can't put up with it. There he is. So the guy in charge got promoted and is now in charge of the January 6th investigation. The guy in charge of the whole Detroit field office is now in charge of the whole Washington field office. That is astonishing. And that's it. FBI Director Chris Ray was acting like he was had no idea that the guy who was in charge of the Detroit field office would have been overseeing the sham kidnapping hoax of the governor of Michigan. Pleading ignorance. Pleading ignorance. Oh, well, I thought you meant the actual agent, not the head of the office. He knows who the head of the Washington field office is. And he knows that he got promoted right after the whole Governor Whitmer kidnapping hoax. You know, playing stupid when you're the FBI director, it's not a good look. I'm just telling you, it's not a good look. All right. So Cruz rightly says, you know, this horrible hoax in which the FBI perpetrated this hoax and tried to get people to go along with it to kidnap the uh, the governor of Michigan and have a little citizen's trial and, uh, and, and, and execute her to murder the governor of Michigan. And they're getting guys who are unstable, who had no intention of kidnapping anybody. One guy uh, slept in the basement of a vacuum cleaner repair shop. They're getting guys like this, and they're whining and dining and trying to talk them into kidnapping the governor of Michigan. But it's the FBI's idea. It's not anybody else's idea. So that guy, the guy in charge of that office, the Detroit field office, as soon as they announce this kidnapping hoax, when early voting had already started for presidential election in Michigan, then they promote that guy to be in charge of the Washington, D.C. FBI field office. That was Cruz's point. And the director of the FBI, Christopher Ray, was playing drunk, playing dumb. But we're supposed to trust him. He's a patriotic American who handles things in a nonpartisan manner. I don't. I can't. I'm sorry. 
Next, Missouri Republican Senator Josh Hawley has some concerns about what the FBI is doing vis-a-vis the Second Amendment. Director Ray, I sent you a letter last week about the FBI's decision to try to obtain sensitive personal information related to concealed carry permits in the state of Missouri. I've got the letter right here. Have you read this? Good question. Let's get into it. Okay, here's Ray's answer. I have had a chance to, to glance to glance at it, yes. No, not a chance to glance at it. Have you read the letter I sent to you? So uh, Josh Hawley, who formerly was Attorney General of Missouri, the guy's a lawyer, U.S. Senator from Missouri, he fine-tunes his question. Good. So let, let's talk a little bit about it. Uh, why is the FBI attempting to audit concealed carry permit records in the state of Missouri? Yeah. What, do you got a lot of free time on your hands? Christopher Ray. So I, I guess the first thing I would say is we will get you a longer, more detailed uh, and specific response to your letter. Um, I am generally familiar with the kind of audits that we're talking about. So I can give you a little information now, but we will follow up with you in writing uh, to give you a more fulsome answer to your letter. The, the kinds of audits that we're talking about are routine audits that are conducted uh, by our CGIS division, which also encompasses NICS, among other things. Uh, these are audits that we do not with agents. NICS is the uh, federal gun background check system. There are no agents out talking to people. Um, they are routine audits of the system to make sure the system is being used properly, and they do that at the direction of an advisory policy board that is uh, manned with not just FBI agents, frankly, not just federal law enforcement, but state and local law enforcement from all over the country. By the way, um, fulsome means uh, complimentary or flattering to an excessive degree. It doesn't mean what the director of the FBI thinks it means. I just thought I'd throw that in. Uh, and so these audits go on. Uh, they look at small samples in order to make sure the system's being used properly. They're not focused on individuals uh, or their uh, Second Amendment rights or anything like that. And, in fact, uh, these audits, which go on, as I said, you know, every three years, I think, is the cycle. We had one uh, in, in your home state in 2018, for example, and I think it was very uneventful, and I would expect this one to be as well. Sorry, Chief. You've burned your credibility six different ways from Sunday. Why should we believe you? But Josh Hawley perhaps has more patience than I do, follows up. You're correct that there was one in 2018, and what the sheriffs of Missouri say in 2018 is that the FBI did not request concealed carry records. You are requesting it this year. In the state of Missouri, only the sheriffs have these concealed carry records because Missouri law explicitly forbids concealed carry permit information to be turned over to state officials or to federal officials for reasons that you can surely understand. We've seen recently what's happened in California, for instance, when gun owners are, are exposed, their personal information put out into the public record. So- yeah, the Attorney General's Office of California just put gun owners of California's um, private records out publicly. Yeah, you see what happens. So I just want to understand why it is the FBI is now seeking from our sheriffs, and we're talking about multiple sheriffs who have commented, who have, who have contacted me, who have contacted other state officials, who have spoken to the press, 
saying that the FBI is now asking for the names of concealed carry permit holders in the state of Missouri. Why is that? If you've not done it before, I don't understand. So this is going to be a whole different thing. And I'm supposed to believe that Chris Ray is going to be surprised that for some reason they're doing it differently than they've done it in the past. For some reason, they're asking for concealed carry names this year, and they haven't done it in the past. And Chris Ray is just going to go, gee, I don't I have any idea, right? That's what I'm supposed to believe. That's what I think I'm getting ready to hear. Okay, Chris Ray is going to confirm but evade. What a shocker. Well, again, I, I'm going to have to look deeper into to give you a more fulsome answer to your question. Uh, my understanding, my limited understanding. No, no, not a more fulsome answer, Chris Ray, FBI director, who went to college. Fulsome means complimentary or flattering to an excessive degree. That's, that's not to, what. That's not what we're talking about here, is it? Where did this guy go to school? I mean, look, I know we all make mistakes, but he's getting paid a lot of money not not to make a mistake. Okay? He's a lawyer. Making a lot of money not to be making this kind of mistake. Oh, while at Yale Law School, he was the executive editor of the Yale Law Journal. wonder if he misused the term fulsome back then. Anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted. Let, let's let's go back to it. Well, again, I, I'm going to have to look deeper into to give you a more fulsome answer to your question. Uh, my understanding, my limited understanding, uh, as we sit here right now, not having a chance to drill into it more deeply, but is that the uh, that under Missouri state law, checks for concealed carry permits are run using one of those systems that CJIS administers. So, in order to be able to determine that the system is being used properly, consistent with the audit, consistent with the direction of the advisory policy board. I think that may explain the answer, but so, again, okay. let, me, let me follow up with you so in more detail in writing. Yeah. So I'm going to ignore written requests from the U.S. House, but since you're a senator, I'll follow up with you, right? Josh Hawley's not having it. He is tenacious. Okay, so you can confirm, though. It sounds like you're saying that, indeed, the FBI is asking for for records because you just said that would be the reason for requesting this information. Yeah. Yeah. Which Hawley just explained that the sheriffs know is against the law. They can't give that kind of records to anybody, including the FBI. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I've heard that may be part of, may explain the disconnect, but I'm not. Holly's not having it. He's going to interrupt him again. You got to. Okay, so you can confirm, though. It sounds like you're saying that, indeed, the FBI is asking for, for records because you just said that would be the reason for requesting this information. I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I've heard that may be part of, may explain the disconnect, but I'm not sure. Well, heard from whom? You say you've heard. Heard from your agents or 
heard from, from people within our organization. Yes, and okay. I'm trying to. So I'm trying to, in the middle of everything else, trying to unpack what exactly is going on with the the dust up over this particular audit. Holly's not going to like the um, choice of words there. In the middle of everything else. Well, you say in the middle of everything else. You can understand, I hope, why this would be of significance to the people of Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, you're requesting the Missouri sheriffs break the law by sharing concealed carry weapon permit holders' names with you. Absolutely, and that's why I've committed to you that we will make sure we get you a detailed response in writing. Yeah, good luck. I don't believe you. No, no, you've burned your credibility many moons ago, son. Uh, uh, I, I don't think Christopher Ray. Josh Hawley believes you, and I sure don't believe you. What could you possibly be doing, I mean, with the personal information of these individuals? Let me ask you this way. Are you doing this in other states as well? Are you going to other states and asking for concealed uh, records, concealed to carry permit records in other states too, or is it just Missouri? Josh Hawley is tenacious. I think this guy knows his way around a courtroom. Christopher Ray. Still evasive. I know we are doing audits, these routine audits in some other states, but I don't know. I think it's a function of different state laws as to what exactly is within scope in terms of the use of the But he just told you it's illegal for Missouri. And you're saying it's a function of state laws? Holly's not having it. He's going to interrupt him again. Why are you asking for it now from the state of Missouri or from our sheriffs when you didn't ask for it in the past? Exactly. Exactly. Good luck getting an answer. Again, I'm going to have to get more information to be able to provide you a written response to your letter. You know, it seems like, you know, when somebody goes on a a, a late night talk show, like back in the day when they used to have ones that were actually funny, Johnny Carson, Jay Leno, uh, David Letterman, uh, the staff of the late-night talk show, would always try to talk to the guests beforehand to see what do you want us to ask you about? What do you want us to talk about? Why couldn't they do that in a situation like this? Uh, Holly has some serious concerns here. What steps would the FBI take to make sure the information remains private if you're able to obtain it from these sheriffs all across Missouri? Yeah, if you're able to get the sheriffs to break the law and give you this information, the names, addresses of concealed carry holders, and how would you keep it private? Again, I'm the same answer. I really want to be careful not to um, speak when I don't have all the facts. It's jacked up, bro. It's jacked up. And Holly's about to tell him it's jacked up. Okay, so you're not going to answer my questions. Well, um, uh, no, I am going to answer your question. Just well, you're not answering them not now. Not here, because I don't have the answer. Well, because you're under oath and because you're not prepared to answer them. Oh! Oh! 
a burn. I'm disappointed, frankly. I, I sent you this letter days ago. This has been on your radar screen. The attorney general of our state sent you a letter before that. Um, you've known about this. This is of significant concern. It directly affects Missouri state law. You can understand the position. You praised your local law enforcement partners earlier today, Director. You're putting them in a terrible position in the state of Missouri. State law says they cannot turn over these personal records. The sheriffs cannot. You are asking them to. Apparently, in an unprecedented fashion, they've not been asked this before. I want to know what in the world you're doing with this. And frankly, I don't like the fact that the FBI is snooping around the concealed carry permit records of Missourians. I don't like it at all. I don't know what you want to do with it. I don't know what you're going to do with the information. But I don't like that you're putting our sheriffs in this position. And I'm disappointed that you're not ready to answer my questions. So what you're hearing here is not a typical politician. All right. What you're hearing here is a guy who's actually concerned about the civil rights, about the Second Amendment rights of his constituents. You know what I'm saying, Holmes? He's just not going to give up here. And Chris Ray is just likes the days go, oh, ho hum, whatever. All right. Now, just as important a question from Josh Hawley for FBI Director Christopher Ray, going to a different subject. Let me ask you about something else. Afghan refugees. The FBI is involved, you have said in the past, your agency has said in the past, in, in helping to vet refugees who were brought here after the botched evacuation by this administration out of Afghanistan. I'm sure you're aware that the DOD Inspector General has said that earlier this year that there are at least 50, 50 Afghan personnel who were brought to the United States who, in fact, had derogatory information, could be could be uh, terrorists, could be involved uh, in, in uh, act, act terrorist activities. 50 of them who have been brought here, released into the United States, can't now be found. That information was turned over to you. I understand DOD gave you that information, asked you to help track down these 50 individuals. Um, here's my question. A whistleblower has now come forward to Senator Johnson and myself and alleged that the situation is actually far graver than that. According to this whistleblower's allegations, there are 324 individuals who were evacuated from Afghanistan and allowed to enter the United States despite appearing on DOD's biometrically enabled watch list. These, this is a watch list that identifies folks whose biometrics have been collected and determined to be threats or potential threats to national security, including known suspected terrorists. So this whistleblower says it's a lot more than 50. It's 324. Are you aware of this? Has DOD or DHS communicated this to the FBI? I mean, if not, you should be. If not, why not? Uh, I don't know that I have the exact number. I know that there are a number of individuals through our Joint Terrorism Task Forces that uh, we are uh, actively trying to investigate as a result of... um... That doesn't sound like a straight answer to a straight question. And again, Holly is going to have to... uh, going to have to interrupt him. How many? Uh, again, I don't know if I can get you the number, but I will see what we can get you as a follow-up. Of, of any of this, of this uh, nearly 400 individuals now who apparently have been brought to this country despite having some connection to terrorism, have you, have you interviewed any of them? Have you, have you apprehended any of them? See, because here's the thing. The Biden regime 
instructed our military to let the Taliban decide who could get into the airport when the planes were taken off. See where I'm going with that? So have you interviewed any of these people? Have you caught any of these people? I know there have been a number of, of interviews of individuals uh, who came, lots of interviews, frankly, of individuals who came as part of the evacuation. Um, I think there have been a number of disruptions. Whether How many of those have been arrests under what charges and so forth that I'd have to get back to you on? Yeah, you'll get back to him. Sure. Sure, you'll get back to him any any day now. Last thing, Mr. Chairman, the, the whistleblower has also alleged that political appointees at the National Security Council and at DOD instructed agency personnel to cut corners when they were processing Afghan evacuees and rather than administer fingerprint tests on all 10 fingers, for instance, to abbreviate those tests in order to promote rushed evacuation, they also alleged that personnel at DHS who worked on vetting Afghan refugees had been authorized to delete old biometric data whenever they personally want to. Obviously, these are very troubling allegations. Are you aware of this behavior at DHS and DOD? Oh, boy. See, you know, every once in a while you got somebody in Washington who is trying to stand up for us, and Josh Hawley's one of those guys from Missouri. Uh, I'm not familiar with the report that you're referring to. Uh, I will say that um, this was a massive number of people to be vetting in an extraordinarily short period of time, and that... um, that, uh, in my view, uh, inevitably raises concerns. Well, guess whose fault that was? The guy you probably voted for, Dementia Joe Biden. He's the one who wanted to just turn tail and run out of Afghanistan and leave billions of dollars worth of military to these 7th century terrorists. Holly has some concerns here. Uh, I think we all do. Oh, I, I think you're absolutely yeah. right about that. Inevitably you, raises sir. concerns, I think, is the is the nicest thing that could be said about it. In fact, you, we know that the, the basic procedures were not followed. We know that the screening process was not followed. And now we know that potentially hundreds of people connected to terrorism are loose in this country as a result. Yeah, that's messed up. But he's out of time. And the Democrat chairman, Dick Durbin, Illinois. Thank you, Senator. Thank you, Senator. So next we have uh, Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis, Republican from uh, North Carolina, the Tar Heel State, where I grew up. Can you give me an idea of anyone who's been held accountable uh, who was involved in Crossfire Hurricane investigation? What specific actions, if any, have been taken? Crossfire Hurricane. Crossfire Hurricane was the FBI investigation where they were trying to develop the lie that Trump was colluding with Russia. So Tom Tellis... Tom Tillis, God bless him, wants to know if anybody was held accountable for that. And this goes back to 2016, 2017. We're five or six years later. Christopher Ray should be able to give him a straight answer to that. 
Well, we've taken a whole slew of actions in response to the Crossfire Hurricane report. I think over 40 plus corrective measures and Is so forth. Is anybody in the bureau? There are a number of disciplined. There are a number of people who are currently in uh, our what we call Office of Professional Responsibility, which is our disciplinary arm. Uh, you may wonder. Why has that not yielded its results yet? And that's because we are working closely with, cooperating closely with, and assisting the Durham investigation. And so that whole process, which is not unusual, uh, has been sort of slowed down to make sure that it doesn't interfere with the Durham investigation. Oh, I see. Durham. Yeah, maybe someday he'll uh, indict somebody consequential. Who knows? Who knows? And then we have this pathetic display from Republican Senator Tom Tillis of North Carolina. Okay, I'll submit other questions for the record. I, for one, want to thank the uh, every employee in the FBI for the hard work they do and their courage, and I thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Every employee of the FBI for the hard work they do and their courage. Every employee of the FBI. What, uh, past and current, Senator Tillis? Would you include Jim Comey, Peter Strzok, Andrew McCabe, Bill Priestap, James Baker? Because there are plenty still in there just like those guys. That's pitiful, Tillis. That's pitiful. When, when's, when's Tillis up for re-election? Is he retiring? What's the deal? What's the deal? Okay, so he first went in 2014. Guy reelected in 2020. Not up again until 2026. Pitiful, Tillis. That's disgusting. You know better. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. She wants to ask a pertinent question from FBI Director Christopher Wray. I think that you've heard a pretty common theme today from uh, several that have questioned you. There appears to be, there is the perception that that, is, that we have two tiers of justice and one for people that are favored and one for ordinary Americans. And I think that has come through in many of the questions that you've heard from us. I want to ask you just a few things so that we can get it on um, the record that I think would help restore some faith in the Bureau and the work they're trying to do. Americans uh, looked at what they perceived to be, and I think rightly so, a ton of money that was wasted on the Russia collusion investigation. So do you agree that the allegation of secret collusion between President Trump and Russia was a hoax? Yes or no? Yeah, was it a hoax? The whole Russia collusion thing, Christopher Ray. Was that a hoax? What's your answer? Yes or no? I, I, I don't think that's the terminology I would use, but uh, I. Why not, Chris? Why not? It was a hoax. I think there's been a lot written on this subject, and uh, both in the special counsel's report, the inspector general's Just report. Yes or no, it's fine. So that's not a term I would use. So you don't think it was a hoax? Pitiful. 
pitiful. Okay, another great question from Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn. Do you agree that the Hunter Biden laptop was not Russia disinformation? Ha, ha, ha. How are you going to deal with that, Chris Ray? Huh? Uh, now you're asking about an ongoing investigation uh, that I expect our folks to pursue aggressively, and I just I can't comment on okay, that. Okay, and you possess the laptop, right? Uh, again, I can't discuss that in yeah. an ongoing okay. investigation. Pitiful, Chris. Just pitiful. You guys discuss stuff about ongoing re- uh, investigations all the time. I think it's a matter of record. The FBI has the laptop. Okay. Another question from Tennessee Senator Republican Marsha Blackburn. And when do we expect to hear from General Durham with his report? Uh, that's really a question for for uh, Special Counsel Durham. We are uh, actively assisting him in that investigation. You know... I've often wondered why some folks expect Special Counsel John Durham to uh, release a report. He's not an an inspector general. He's a special counsel. Inspector generals, IGs, they're the people that do reports. Special counsels indict people. I mean, I don't know. I guess he could do a report if he wanted to, but. Oh, I know, because Mueller did a report. Okay. All right. I'm sorry, Senator Black. I'm sorry, Senator Blackburn. Because Mueller did a report. Okay. All right. I got it. More from Senator Marsha Blackburn. And do you agree that an open border is a national security threat? Uh, I, as I think I said in response to my uh, Senator Cornyn, uh, I think there is a, a are serious security issues represented at the border, a wide array of criminal threats that we are deeply concerned about at the FBI, uh, and that transcends everything from Thank gangs, you. violence. He's not giving her a straight answer. He's doing the tap dance. Like the powers that be accumulus media told me to do when a caller said the election was stolen. She's going to jump in here. The sheriffs in Tennessee counties uh, continued to tell me, and last Friday I was with seven different counties, and the number one issue for them is that open border and the presence of drug traffickers, drugs, uh, human trafficking. They talk about the cartels that have set up hubs. They can tell you where the drugs are coming from that are coming into their community. You mentioned 300 task forces that you have. Um, Do you have one that is specific to this? Because I was surprised yesterday with um, Mr. Polite, who was before us from the criminal division. They didn't seem to have one that was focused specifically on these cartels. Yeah. Why might that be? FBI Director Chris Ray? Come on. Well, we at the FBI have um, a number of things that are focused on that. We have uh, what we call our TOC program, which is our transnational organized criminal program, and our TOC West 
program uh, is focused on the Western Hemisphere, the cartels in particular, okay. uh, and it's a, a quite okay. a number of task forces there. I, I just, I mean, what are you getting accomplished? What can you get accomplished with with Biden's Mayorkas Homeland Security? Another Blackburn question. Okay, I I think one of the things that has uh, concerned me is looking at the number of terrorists that are coming across that border. So far in fiscal year 22, we've had 56. There were 15 non-citizen terrorists that crossed in 21, three in 20, and zero in 19. Uh, what are you all doing to help apprehend these individuals? Senator Hawley talked with you about the Afghan refugees. Uh, people remember what happened on 9-11. They remember what happened with the Boston bombing. And uh, to see this number of terrorists that are coming across that border and into the country. So how are you tracking, monitoring, apprehending, and investigating these individuals? Yeah. What are you doing about that? Because it seems like it's out of control, you know? So there, I guess there are two things I would say. One is we're constantly sharing watch listing information with uh, DHS uh, and with our partners um, to improve the, you know, border security in that regard. And then second, through our joint terrorism task forces all over the country, we are investigating uh, any number of individuals who are, are here in the United States uh, attempting okay, to put together a case. Yeah, because, I mean, so many people are on your radar and wind up killing people. Um, you ever indict anybody? Okay, she's gonna she's got to jump in and interrupt. Once a local sheriff reports to an FBI field office that they have someone they think is a bad actor, then how long does it take you all to do that? You've used the term audit, assessment, and investigation. Uh, how long does it take you to respond to that and get going on these? She's asking the right questions, but I don't know if she's going to get anywhere with this guy. Well, I mean, as you might imagine, it depends on the circumstances and, and the okay. way in which well, it's reported. But, me, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we, we a lot of times we're right. opening investigations, yeah. you know, that, that same day. Right. I mean, I guess, Let me move yeah. on, yeah. Uh, and you can just send that to me in writing. Okay. Next question. Unrelated topic here. I want to get to the issue on China with with you um, because we continue to be very concerned and I appreciate your attention to China but we are continuing to see Beijing the Chinese Communist Party not the people but the Chinese Communist Party try to spy on the US government disrupt our military operations are you all working with the Department of Defense to identify and address the threat of Huawei equipment that is coming in and then we know the Chinese Communist Party is buying property and farmland near our military installations and our sensitive infrastructure. Are you all on top of that? Well, they should be, but I don't think so. She's trying to hold them accountable. 
Uh, we are working very closely with a number of Department of Defense agencies, um, and there's actually quite a lot happening in this space. And if, if, if you were amenable, one of the things I would suggest is offer to have my folks come up and give you a, a classified briefing on some that of what we're doing. That would be helpful. I would appreciate that. As you're aware, we had a situation last year with a University of Tennessee professor who came through the Thousand Talents program to UT. That goes to trial. The CCP uses that uh, familiar line they've started to do to say, well, you know, uh, this is an issue of race. Uh, we're continuing, and that's what they use to defend this individual. And so we're concerned about that and how all of that links to the Confucius Institutes. A lot of universities have shut those down. They're now renaming them Chinese Language and Culture Programs. So how are you all monitoring and tracking the individuals that are under contract to the CCP that are coming in with these programs to spy, to steal our intellectual property, and then their establishment of these soft propaganda programs? Another good question. I, I, I wish he had better answers, though. That's that's the thing. All right, here he is. So we are working, we are trying to work very closely with universities on this subject. Uh, you know, instances like the one that you cited um, where the case went south, uh, you know, get a lot of media attention, but there's an awful lot happening all the time with universities all over the country that's in a, a very positive way. The... Uh, that's, man, talk about trying to change the subject. That's just not it, bro. That's just not it. Let me ask yeah. you, are you tracking their monetary donations from uh, China from that are all CCP linked that are going into universities? Well, the... Uh so you, you, you talked about two different things in the academic setting, right? Well, there's both the research theft piece yes. and then there's the Confucius Institute or their successor. Right. Put the, the second one to the side for a minute. On the first, um, the whole way in which the talent plans are abused involves funding of researchers from the Chinese government to essentially – uh, steal U.S. taxpayer-funded research here. And yes. so our investigations inevitably get into that it's type of issue. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Now, John Kennedy is a plain-spoken, plain-talking senator from Louisiana. And uh, he had some questions for FBI Director Christopher Ray, and we got three more senators here. We got uh, we got John Kennedy. We got Lindsey Graham. Sean, Sean, we're going to get to the bottom of it, Sean. Just wait and see, Sean. Wait and see. So we got uh, John Kennedy from uh, Louisiana. We got Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, and we got Tom Cotton from Arkansas. And we're just we're just going through this in the order in which uh, they appeared on the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing Thursday, August 4th. So here's John Kennedy back and forth with Christopher Ray. Mr. Director, who is uh, 
Timothy Tebow. Now, he's not talking about the former football quarterback. This Tebow is spelled T-H-I-B-A-U-L-T, just so you know. Uh, Mr. Tebow was, uh, uh, for some period of time until relatively recently, uh, what's called an ASAC uh, in our Washington field office. He was the uh, assistant special agent in charge. That's what ASAC stands for. There's a whole number of them in the Washington field office. The structure is there's at the head of the office, and then there's SACs, and then the next level down, there's the level that he was at. And um, he uh, has or had been with the FBI about 25 years. Is that right? Well, now you're now you're testing my, my knowledge a little bit. Okay. Uh, he was a powerful guy. Is that correct? I'm sorry? He was a powerful guy. Is that correct? Well, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would use that description. Okay. He had no power. <laughs> I think every law enforcement agent in the FBI, with the responsibilities they're entrusted with, has significant power. Okay. Did, did he work on the President Trump Russian collusion investigation? Here we go. Here we go. Pregnant pause here. Uh, I'm not sure I know the answer to that. Not that I'm aware of, but I, I don't, um, I don't, I can't say that with certainty. Uh, did he, or does he work on the FBI investigation of Mr. Hunter Biden? So the investigation, uh, that you're referring to, and I have to be a little bit careful because we're talking about an ongoing investigation is being run out of our Baltimore field office, working with our, working with the Delaware U.S. attorney who's a holdover from the prior administration. So I'm, I'm confused, Chris, with your answer. Did he work or does he work on the Hunter Biden investigation? Let's get a straight answer. As I said, the, the Hunter Biden investigation is being run out of the Baltimore field office. So, what's that mean? Um, isn't isn't it true that uh, in September of two thousand and twenty, Special Agent Tebow went on social media and liked a Washington Post article entitled "Quote: William Barr has gone rogue." I have seen uh, uh, descriptions to that effect. Um, I have to be a little bit careful about how far we can go in this conversation uh, because of specific ongoing personnel matters. Isn't it true that also in September of 2020, Special Agent Tebow went on social media and posted a Washington Post article entitled, quote, why the Michael Flynn case still matters. A similar answer to, to the one I gave before. Isn't it true that in November of 2020, Special Agent Tebow, Assistant Special Agent in charge of the D.C. office, who allegedly worked 
on the uh, Trump-Russia collusion investigation and the Hunter Biden investigation, retweeted a Lincoln Project tweet that said, quote, Donald Trump is a psychological, I'm sorry, a psychologically broken, embittered, and deeply unhappy man. Again, you know, I've, I've seen descriptions uh, of posts, um, and I, I'm really trying to be very careful um, not to get in the way of any ongoing personal matters. Isn't it also true that in January of 2001, in response to Senator Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's election to the United States Senate, from Alabama, of course, um, Special Agent Tebow went on social media and posted, quote, Thank God for Mississippi, the state motto of Alabama. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, can't sit here and quote chapter and verse on, on an individual's social media posts. Isn't it also true that in June of 2020, special agent in charge, Tebow, a 25-year veteran of the agency, tweeted to Congresswoman Liz Cheney, quote, your dad was a disgrace. You see where he's going with us, right? Again, I've seen descriptions uh, to that effect, um, but I'm going to have to be very careful not to interfere with any kind of ongoing person. And last month, didn't didn't Agent Tebow go on, on media and tweet, quote, can we give Kentucky to the Russian Federation? Again, same, same answer that I've given before. All right. Isn't it true that... Uh, Mr. Tebow, Agent Tebow, excuse me, and FBI Supervisory Intelligence Analyst Brian Otan covered up derogatory information about Mr. Hunter Biden while working for the FBI. Hello. Hello. Again, I want to be very careful not to interfere with ongoing personnel matters. Uh, I, I should say that when I read the letter that describes the kinds of things that you're talking about. Um, I found it deeply troubling. Uh, and it is troubling. And it is totally... And it's not but, about but, their political but, but beliefs. I, right, right. It's not about their political beliefs. It's about that this is a senior uh, employee at the FBI with years of experience going on social media and tweeting this kind of stuff. So I have, since I started in... Which gives the people the impression that there is bias, whether there is or there isn't. Well, we all know there is. We all know there is. I feel very strongly, and I have communicated consistently since I started as director, that our folks need to make sure that they're not just doing the right thing, that they're doing it in the right way, and that they avoid... Avoid even the appearance of bias or lack of objectivity. And in fact, in fact, one of the things I did, which to my knowledge had never been done before at the FBI, was in 2018, 
I pulled together and I took, I started at the top, which in my experience, in somebody in law enforcement, it never works that way. I started at the top and I brought the 250 or so very top people in the FBI from one corner of the globe to the other for a full day stand down at Quantico where the whole focus of the message, and we heard from the inspector general, we heard from a judge, we heard from the, the people who enforced the Hatch Act. The whole focus I, I know was on I know you did, the importance of, a, of and, the but appearance. But you wouldn't do something like like this, this man had been with the FBI for 25 years. He's now on leave. He did this kind of stuff as recently as last month. Yep. Do you know how this looks to the American people? I will tell you that what you're describing is not representative of the FBI that I see up close every day in this country, where I see patriots working their tails off. And I with agree tremendous integrity I, I and objectivity. I agree that and have said that to you repeatedly. But you're killing yourselves with this stuff. And this investigation needs to be completed on this, this gentleman, and the results need to be reported to the American people. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't believe Chris Ray. I think the FBI is... Shot, man. Um, too many pre-dawn raids of people who didn't do anything. Too many people being um, harassed about January 6th who didn't even go in the building. You know? This whole thing about uh, nonpartisan. Now, we're, uh, we're no longer buying what you're selling, Chris. I call you Chris, right? We're no longer buying what you're selling. Next, the odious. Lindsey Graham. Now, Sean, we're going to get to the bottom of this, Sean. Wait and see. Wait and see. For years. Uh, To build on what we're talking about, also you have a mission, a counterterrorism national security mission to protect the American people against uh, radical elements abroad and at home. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So thank you to you and yours who are out there in the fight every day. I just want to put a fine point on some of this. So to understand what kind of threats we're facing, when it comes to China, how many cases a week will you open up against Chinese agents trying to engage in illegal espionage activity in the United States? Well, uh, frankly, I wish I could measure it by week. Senator, we are opening a new China-related counterintelligence investigation about every 12 hours. Okay, stop. Thank you. To the American people, every 12 hours, the FBI is investigating some nefarious activity driven by the Chinese Communist Party against American interests. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it is. So when you talk to the ambassador to China as a member of Congress... House or Senate, and you ask them this question, and they say they're not engaged in such such activity. Would that can would you consider that a misleading statement? <laughs> uh, well, Senator, I would I would find it inconsistent with our experience, as you've heard from this hearing. There is no shortage of things for FBI agents to be working on. So I can tell you, yes. and I would tell him that the reason we're opening a new investigation every 12 hours sure as heck ain't because they don't have enough else to do and on the level of severity the harm it could do to our country uh, are some of these cases pretty severe in nature 
Absolutely. It's, it represents the potential uh, of who's going to dominate the most significant industry sectors for, for decades. So, number one, America's virtually under attack by Chinese espionage activity in our economic sector uh, uh, every 12 hours. So that's where we're at. Do you need more resources than you have today to combat this? Absolutely. Just write it down, and I dare somebody to say no. Whoa, 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 whoa. The FBI, which has been violating our constitutional rights six different ways from Sunday, and Lindsey Graham is like, hey, you need more money? I dare anybody say no. Really? No, I'm uh, I'm done. I am done with Lindsey Graham. That's that's all we need to hear from Lindsey Graham. Get out of here, Lindsey. Tom Cotton has some good questions. Tom Cotton is a U.S. senator from the state of Arkansas. Director Ray, is it a crime under Section 1507 of Title 18 to picket and protest outside of a federal judge's home to try to influence his or her decision? Uh, I don't have the statute in front of me, but that sounds like a fair description. Uh, So on numerous occasions uh, in recent months, there have been large-scale protests outside the homes of Supreme Court justices in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, Yesterday, the head of the Department of Justice Criminal Division confirmed that the Biden Justice Department has not brought a single case against any individual for breaking that law by protesting outside of those justices' homes. Um, Are you aware of the FBI making any arrests for violations of Section 1507? Uh, I'm, well, I'm aware that we have a number of investigations related to uh, threats of violence against justices um, and against judicial buildings, including the Supreme Court. Uh, and, of course, we assisted in the recent charges of the individual who had a, a plot to kill uh, or an intent to kill uh, Justice Kavanaugh. What statutes are involved? Uh, I don't know, but I don't. Re- I don't think any of them used fifteen oh seven as the. Uh, offense. Why were Why were there no arrests for an obvious violation that played out on national television? Did someone in the De- Biden Department of Justice direct you not to let FBI agents enforce that law? Uh, no, I don't think we've gotten any directive to that effect. I think part of what you're driving at. Uh, Respectfully, is is goes to questions about the interpretation of and applicability uh, of the statute. And while I absolutely understand your interest in the question, um, I think this is one of those times where I would uh, point to the department as the lawyers who are making. Well, the I have it right here in front of me. It's not very confusing. Whoever, with the intent of influencing any judge in the discharge of his duty. Pickets or parades in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge shall be fined under this title or imprisoned for not more than one year. I mean, it happened on national television news. Were there no self-starting FBI agents in the area that thought, wow, they're committing a terrible federal crime. I'm going to go arrest them. 
Well, as I said, you know, we're working very closely with the marshals, with Supreme Court police, uh, with the uh, Supreme Court marshals. You know, they have the principal responsibility for crowd control and protecting the justices. We have a number of investigations underway as we speak. And then questions as to the enforcement of that particular statute uh, constitutionally are, are better directed to the department. Well, I don't think there's much question about the constitutionality. In 1965, in Cox, Louisiana, the Supreme Court held up a virtually identical state statute. In 1988, Justice John Paul Stevens stated that it would be constitutional to prohibit protesting outside even an elected officials' home, not judges' home, but elected officials' homes, because, quote, there is simply no right to force speech into the home of an unwilling listener. So, so why, why did no FBI agent in the national capital region seeing a crime committed repeatedly on national television not go enforce the law? I mean, don't you expect your agents to go enforce the law? I mean, if, they, if they're aware of a bank robbery or kidnapping, do they need direction from on high to make an arrest? Well, uh, our agents are, as we've discussed at some length in different ways throughout this hearing, uh, are up to their necks uh, enforcing all sorts of laws. Uh, and I wish I, we were in a situation where every federal violation that occurred in this country was something the FBI could uh, have the resources to investigate. We Right. So you can't arrest people that are breaking the law in front of Supreme Court justice homes. That's what he's saying. We have prioritized focusing on violence and threats of violence, uh, and we are aggressively investigating uh, in that space across the spectrum, uh, including uh, violence and threats of violence against uh, members of the judicial branch. Well, I mean, these protests wound up with a hitman traveling across the country trying to assassinate Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And, we, so, and, and we, he's protest, been arrested and charged federally. Seriously, yeah. in addition to that actual hitman's crimes. I mean, again, it was happening on national television. Seems like a layup to show up and arrest them. I mean, what what if those protesters were protesting outside of a district judge home uh, or members of MS-13, and that judge was presiding over the murder and racketeering trial of an MS-13 gang lord? Would you expect your agents to show up and arrest those protesters? Uh, you know, I would think we would want to be aggressively investigating MS-13 members, and we are. So, but I, that didn't answer my question. Is there? Would you expect your agents to stop MS-13 from protest, protesting outside of a federal judge's home as that judge presided over an MS-13 murder trial? Uh, knowing what we know about MS-13 uh, and their uh, almost um, epic commitment to violence, uh, an MS-13 member engaging in that activity outside a judge presiding over. Uh, an MS-13 trial would be something that I think would, would lead to us trying to look at every tool we have to be able to protect that judge. So it's, it's okay to protest outside of Supreme Court Justice Home if you disagree with their potential rulings? I didn't say that. I don't so believe that. So what's the difference between the two? You sure are acting like it, though. I think the difference is twofold. One, uh, we have to make sure that we are prioritizing and enforcing those uh, violations of federal criminal law that uh, are, represent the greatest threat to the public. Uh, and so that in particular focuses on violence and threats of violence. 
Second, as to this particular statute, questions about when it applies constitutionally are, with respect, better directed to the department. Uh, if I was sitting here as the Assistant Attorney General or the Attorney General, I might have a different type of response to you. But as FBI Director, on the interpretation of the statute uh, constitutionally, I would defer to the department on that. Well, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed the Department of Justice and the FBI didn't take these protests themselves seriously. As I said, they led to a Democratic hitman showing up and trying to assassinate a sitting Supreme Court justice. We all know a federal judge who lost her son and almost lost her husband because someone showed up at their home as well. These are serious and grave threats. It is an obvious black letter violation of the criminal law. And I, I hope if it happen, happens again, the FBI will take it more seriously and start arresting them and charging with the violation of this obvious crime. It's going to keep happening, and they're not going to. Now, I do show prep around the clock. And uh, is one of the reasons that here in the middle of the night on a Saturday morning, I'm doing the show that ordinarily would have been done on Thursday because it took so many hours to put this thing together. But I'm not through. I'm not through. The great Julie Kelly, who writes over to American Greatness, amgreatness.com. And I've interviewed her on the show before, and uh, we follow each other on Twitter. And I noticed Friday afternoon, 24 hours after the hearing that I was just playing you audio from, she goes on Twitter and she says, One day after Chris Ray told Senator Tom Cotton that the FBI didn't have enough manpower to arrest pro-abortion activists breaking federal law by picketing, parading at homes of conservative Supreme Court justices, his FBI arrested a January 6er for picketing and parading. That's right. That's right. Casey Von Owen Hopkins. Julie Kelly continues, FBI is so busy investigating and preparing a 12-page complaint against a man accused of four misdemeanors from 19 months ago that uh, they just can't. They just can't investigate and charge a single pro-abortion activist, even those offering bounties on Supreme Court justice. So sorry. Sorry, no, we can't, uh, can't do that. She said senators need to demand his resignation. All right, so let me go to her latest article, The Evasive Mr. Ray, Julie Kelly at amgreatness.com. She says it was time for him to fly. FBI Director Christopher Ray testifying before the Senate Judiciary Committee For the first time since July of 2021, 
insisted he had to leave by 1.30 p.m. Eastern sharp. It began at 10 a.m. Thursday morning. But he had to leave by 1.30 sharp. No question about it. Julie Kelly says, despite leaving a scandal-ridden agency quickly losing the trust of the American people and congressional Republicans, Christopher Wray somehow believes that setting aside less than four hours to answer questions by lawmakers responsible for checking and balancing his work is sufficient. Christopher Ray told Senator Charles Grassley, Republican of Iowa, the ranking member who asked why he was in such a rush, quote, I had a flight that I'm supposed to be hightailing it to, and I had understood that we were going to be done at 1.30, so that's how we ended up where we are, unquote. Well, If Ray needed to leave on business, Grassley noted, you've got your own plane, referring to the taxpayer-funded Gulfstream G-550 jet used to ferry the head of the FBI around the country privately. Ray got his way. The committee wrapped shortly after 1.30 p.m. with no chance for Republicans to ask follow-up questions, no chance for a second round. It was a symbolic win. And another example of how Ray almost always prevails in skirmishes between his agency and members of Congress. To be fair, an extended appearance only would have resulted in more non-answers and political spin. She didn't... She didn't Cutting corners, does she? She's not going to soft pedal this. Christopher Ray, appointed by Donald Trump in 2018, knows a lot about issues that matter to the Biden regime and national news media, such as the imaginary threat of domestic violent extremists. But he isn't so savvy when it comes to issues that matter to Americans, such as the wide-open southern border, exploding crime rates, and aggressive China on the rise, and foreign terrorists who arrived here in the disorderly evacuation of Afghanistan. No, he didn't know about all that stuff. Once again, Christopher Ray designated the events of January 6th an act of domestic terrorism, bragging that FBI agents so far have arrested and charged more than 850 Americans for their involvement in the mostly nonviolent disturbance that happened over 18 months ago. In his written statement, Christopher Ray said, in January, we marked the one-year anniversary of the January 6th siege of the U.S. Capitol, which was led, which has led to an unprecedented efforts by the Department of Justice, including the FBI, 
to investigate and hold accountable all who engage in violence, destruction of property, and other criminal activity on that day. All right? That's in his written statement. While Ray was eager to boast about his relentless pursuit of capital trespassers, he was less than straightforward, one might say stonewalled, than other issues. Pressed several times to condemn the situation at the border as a national security threat, Ray repeatedly demurred. The record number of citizens from more than 150 countries who've crossed the border is, according to Christopher Ray in his back and forth with Senator John Cornyn of Texas, quote, an eclectic mix of nationalities, and the volume is just staggering, unquote. Crafty way of portraying the unprecedented and criminal influx of migrants from around the world. Christopher Ray gave the same watered-down response when Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, asked if the border was a national security threat, instead referring to the situation as a security issue. Chris Ray was similarly evasive when Marsha Blackburn asked if he believed the Trump-Russia election collusion claims were a hoax. He replied, that's not a term I would use. Details on the whereabouts of Hunter Biden's laptop or an explanation as to why his agency warned any reporting on the contents of the device was part of a Russia disinformation operation were also off limits. Chris Ray had no explanation as to why his department is not enforcing a federal law that protects federal judges. Since May, left-wing activist groups have targeted the houses and children of conservative Supreme Court justice after the media published a draft of the Dobbs ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade. Protesters have demonstrated outside the personal residences of both Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. A California man was charged with attempted murder after he was arrested in June outside Kavanaugh's Maryland home. That arrest, however, appears to be the only criminal charge associated with a coordinated campaign to intimidate and shame conservative Supreme Court justices, including one group that offers bounties for confirmed sightings of conservative justices so they can be harassed in public. So why the foot dragging? Ray told Senator Tom Cotton, our agents are up to their necks in enforcing all sorts of laws, and I wish we were in a situation where every federal violation that occurred in this country was something the FBI could have the resources to investigate. He said that when asked why the FBI had yet to charge anyone for violating the federal law that bars picketing and parading in front of a justice's home. Ironically, FBI agents have arrested and charged hundreds of Americans who protested Joe Biden's election on January 6th. 2021, on a separate parading and picketing offense, many of whom face jail time. Plenty of time and resources to nab selfie-taking Indiana grandmas. Priorities, right? But Ray seemed really flummoxed, really flummoxed, when confronted about the FBI-concocted plot to kidnap and assassinate Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitner, a clear case of FBI entrapment, conceived and executed on his watch. Senator Ted Cruz read the damning bill of particulars on the case, which included the acquittal of two men in April and mistrial of two other defendants 
who face a new trial next week, and the dismissal of a lead agent arrested for assaulting his wife in a drunken rage following a swingers party last summer. Ted Cruz also asked Christopher Ray to confirm that the special agent in charge of the FBI Detroit field office during the Whitmer kidnapping caper was then promoted to head of the D.C. FBI field office. Ray, uh, Ray unintentionally responded with the most accurate statement of the entire hearing when he said, that doesn't seem right to me. No, it doesn't seem right, but it's true. Shortly after several men were arrested in the kidnapping scheme, October 2020, Stephen D'Antuono was moved to Washington just a few months before the Capitol protests on January 6th. Ted Cruz said, so the guy in charge got promoted and is now in charge of the January 6th investigation? Christopher Ray said, the guy in charge of the whole Detroit field office is now in charge of the whole Washington field office. Ted Cruz answered, that is astonishing. To say the least, Ray might not want to talk, but whistleblowers inside his department are finally speaking out. Disgruntled agents fed up with the FBI's politicking and bad reputation have reached out to Senator Grassley, U.S. Representative Jim Jordan, in recent months with more likely to come, and Senator John Kennedy, Republican Louisiana after reading a series of anti-Trump social media engagements posted by a senior FBI official, warned Christopher Wray, you're killing yourself with this stuff. Republicans pulled plenty of punches on Thursday, but they landed a few too. Christopher Wray's quick exit act, however, cannot be tolerated any longer. Mounting scandals and public safety threats endanger the country, not merely the reputation of the FBI. That is the great Julie Kelly over at amgreatness.com, the article's entitled The Evasive Mr. Ray. And I commend it to you. You've been listening to episode 210 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Saturday, August 6th, 2022.